The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. For today's episode, I brought back a guest from the first season, Tim Nixon. You may know him as the pastor who found God outside of religion. He's back today to talk with me about one of Wayne Dyer's favorite series of books, The Life and Teachings of the Masters of the Far East by Baird T. Spaulding. In this fascinating conversation, we got into talking about past lives, reincarnation, Christ consciousness, and so much more. Tim is always so interesting to chat with. If you haven't joined Patreon yet, come on over to patreon.com slash Nadia Delacruz or visit NadiaDelacruz.com for all the links. You can sign up for exclusive bonuses, including the full video for each episode, Zoom calls, and even a mug with my Wayne Dyer painting. This is really the space where I'm looking forward to connecting with everyone to share podcast details, get feedback, and talk about new show ideas. Your support means the world to me, and I really couldn't do this without you. Stay tuned at the end of this episode for a shout out to all of my new patrons. Thank you so much for listening. Welcome to the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Nadia Dela Cruz, founder of the Wayne Dyer Wisdom Community on Facebook and angeltarot.org. This podcast would not be possible without support from loyal fans like you. And I want to give a big thank you to everyone who supports me on Patreon. You can find the link for that and get more details about this podcast at nadiadelacruz.com. Now, my guest today is returning from season one. You may know him as the pastor who found God outside of religion. He's back today to talk with me about one of Dr. Wayne Dyer's favorite books, The Life and Teachings of the Masters of the Far East. Tim Nixon, thank you so much for joining me today. It is definitely great to be here and to be able to share the uh, everything I picked up from these books that Dr. Dyer recommended. So it's great to be here. Thank you. Um, It's always wonderful to speak with you. And I know that these are books that you are passionate about and something that you were eager to speak about today. And these are books that Wayne Dyer was reading right up until the end of his life, something that he mentioned he was passionate about. So I have not gotten very deep into these (laughs) books. I'm excited to kind of hear your take on it and what you got from them. But For those listeners who didn't have a chance to hear the first episode that we did, maybe you could give us a little bit of backstory about your path to spirituality. Okay. Yes, I was raised uh, in a fundamentalist Christian faith, Um, very strict. I I tell people, if you know Westboro Baptist Church, who was very famous for their protest against a lot of things, Um, the church I grew up in was just just inside of that because they wouldn't be protesting 
American soldier funerals like Westboro Baptist Church. Um, so then I went into Christian ministry right out of college, went to a Christian college, Christian ministry, and um, went on a path of constantly questioning, thinking, rethinking everything I once believed. I became a senior pastor um, after a while. And then in that began to see there were a lot of inconsistencies between the institutional church and what I read in the Bible, which took me out of the church. I resigned that and then went into, in that time would have been called the secular secular world. And um, all along the way, we kept trying to connect with other Christians who wanted to do life outside of an institutional church. And then that stayed that way until um, 2019, where my daughter began to um, rebel. I'm doing air quotes again, rebel against um, <laughs> everything we believed. And um, that brought us face to face with, face with our beliefs. But first we told her because of our beliefs that she had to, um, we were kicking her out of our life because that's what the Bible told us we had to do. And over the next couple of weeks, it just did not make sense that a loving God would ask you to do that. So we began to study it, look at it, rethink, listen to other people who were doing what's called deconstructing their Christian faith. And over that time, we lost our our view of hell and um, kicking our daughter out of our lives. And that awakened me. So the deconstruction, moving away from traditional Christianity, opened the doors. And then I began listening to people like Oprah and I found Wayne Dyer um, Rain Wilson, who is Dwight on The Office, is one of the most spiritual people you can imagine out there. And then, um, so basically, I bought uh, Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life um, on April 18th, 2020. And I started reading Dr. Dyer, and then that led me to Ram Dass. And now I have opportunities. I, I'm back into teaching. Um, an opportunity opened up at Lighthouse Spiritual Center here in Mooresville, North Carolina. And the, 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 the leader there, Kendall, has uh, offered me opportunities to come alongside her, work on the pastoral care, and I got to teach for the first time this past Sunday. So that's my journey. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Yeah, that much. sounds really yes. exciting. I'm glad you're having that, that opportunity to speak. And I, I really believe that you're a natural teacher and you have a lot to share. So yes. it's a good so path that was for you. a concise, quick story. <laughs> I told it this past Sunday and it went about 20, 25 minutes. And that was a short, concise story of everything yeah. that happened. But it was just constant questioning, constant thinking. And I'm not done. I'm just going to be a questioner the rest of my life. I think that's a good thing to be. Um, if you follow blindly, then how do you ever know what's in your heart? How do you ever know what's true for you? But I have so much respect for your family, for you and your wife in particular, who you know, set aside these um, rather strict beliefs that were dividing your family and found that love was more important and it led you to to a different path, a different way, a different way of being. And I don't think a lot of people make that choice. It can be really scary and really hard to walk away from everyone and everything that you know, especially when they're probably telling you you've gone to the dark side yes. and, uh, <laughs> you know, think that you've fallen in some way. But um, like Wayne Dyer taught us, you know, you, you need to be self-directed. You need to be um, self-driven. And, you know, 
in my opinion, anything that isn't of love isn't truly of God. Right. So yep. sometimes we have to find our own path and make our own way. Yeah. All right. Well, today we are here to talk about um, Baird T. Spaulding's Life and Teachings of the Masters of the Far East. It is more than a book. It is a volume of, or well, six books. Yes. It's a whole set of six books. Um, there's a lot of content in here, and we're going to go um, a little bit more into depth into exactly what are these books and what does it cover. But just to give people a little bit of background, um, I've been reading The Knowing, which is the book that Wayne's daughters, Sage and Serena, um, put out earlier this year. I think it came out in May. And as I was reading the introduction to this book, I noticed that they had a little quote in here about this book series. And they said, in the final volume of Baird, of Baird Thomas Spaulding's Life and Teachings of the Master of the, of the Far East, a series of books our dad was devouring right before he passed away, he underlined, there is a light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. That light is eternal, all-powerful, and imperishable. Only that which is subject to birth is subject to death. The light is an extension of God into man. It is not born, nor can it die. And they add, that is the knowing. Um, this is a great book. It's a very personal story of the Dyer family. Um, when they found out that Wayne had passed away and their sort of process after that and coming back to all of these things that they knew in their heart and the things that both of their parents um, had taught them. Not everyone may know this, but their mom is a very spiritual woman as well. So um, amazing family. So let's get to these books. Okay. Why don't we start with who was Baird T. Spaulding, and when did he live? Uh, Baird T. Spaulding um, was born in the near the end of the 1800s, so um, he lived around 95 years. So he died in the 1950s, I believe. I didn't write down the exact dates, um, but he. So he was a person who, in his book, says that he was uh, raised in India. That he. Um, went to the University of Calcutta. He graduated from University of Calcutta at the age of 14. And then he it came, he was in America. He had a, a degree in mining, apparently, um, that he used here in America. I don't think they offer those anymore. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> so he was a mine inspector and did all those types of things here in America. But his book set really, um, the books that he wrote, what happened was he, um, as he traveled on telling these stories, there was a, a woman who had a publisher who said, do you mind if I take what you're teaching in volume one? That was the first thing that came out, obviously, and that um, that just took off like wildfire um, among the spiritual churches, you know, Uni Church. And there's some other different um, spiritual churches, meaning metaphysical churches that no longer exist that um, would host him and have him teach after he came back from India. And um, so that book series took off. And so he, um, so he wrote these three books. They ended up telling the whole story in the three books. And then um, he would travel up until the day he died. He was uh, traveling um, all over America, teaching on these books and talking about what he learned while he was in India. So there's six books. Yes. Like, 
Are there different sections? Like what's covered in books one through six? So verse books one through three are all about his time in the uh, in India, China, um, the traveling that whole region over there. Um, so that's that's volumes one through three. So he tells the stories uh, when they went, what they went there for, which was to follow. They'd heard about um, these lost civilizations his grandfather had told him about these lost civilizations um that were over there that were so so much further developed than what we've ever seen and so he went on a search looking for these civilizations and while he was there the people that were escorting him around turned out that they had basically reached basically enlightenment and so that it was just the first three Books are just about all his journeys, traveling around with them, going all over the place for a couple of years, so three years. Uh, so it just covers his whole time there. Book four is a summary of everything they learned from the masters, which we'll get into who those were. Um, um, there's It threw me off in book four because it starts out with basically the, the white brotherhood, which I was like, what am I reading here? But um, What does this mean? Right. Most people don't know that Hindu is, Hinduism comes out of a group of people called the Aryans, which we're all afraid of because that's the word Hitler used. Um, but it was just a group of people. And so there was a group of 12 different uh, bodies of people that would come together to lift the vibration of the world to bring about peace and power and things like that. So that was the group of people. And they were called the White Brotherhood. So it didn't mean like skin color. It just meant that was their secret society name. And then they said they were birthing a, thir- a 13th one. So you take all those teachings in book four. And then book five is as he traveled around America teaching these things. Um, there was question and answer times. So it would include what he taught there. And then answer the questions. And then book six was things that they found stored that they thought it was just an, you know a box of just stuff and they found it stored. And so they took those articles and pictures. There's pictures from everything that was happening, different um, correspondence with Mr. DeVoris, the uh, publisher, and different people. And they just published all those, again, with questions and answers that were included in the articles and things. So, And that's the latest edition. That book six was added in um, many years later. You know, it was just five volumes, and then they found that and added mm-hmm. the sixth volume. Found some more. So I know that a lot of time was covered. A lot of stories are included in this. Is there a common thread? Is there a theme or a core message to, like, what he was bringing back from the Far East? Yes, the common theme is um, we are all God. We all have a Christ consciousness within us. And that Jesus was the perfect picture of that Christ consciousness. And that Jesus was actually one of the masters of the Far East. And then they tell the story. It's all, you know, growing up, I didn't hear much about this, but where was Jesus during those 30 years he was gone, you know, in the Bible? I mean, the yeah, from 12, so from age 12 to age 30, so 28 years or 18, 18 years. Where did he go? There's always been this belief uh, in India that he ended up in India and um, learned the ways of Buddhism and the Far East teachings. So they tell the story of how Jesus did spend time there and learned all these things, but that he um, 
he came to show us how to live in Christ consciousness and that everything he did, which he even stated, I'd be careful. I don't say what he stated anymore because of my study of the Bible has changed. I say what he is reported to have said in the Bible, um, you will do greater things than I have done. And so he wanted to show humanity, like when he fed the 5,000, he, you could do the same thing. That once you reach that level, the law of attraction states that you can create things just by thinking them. And so that happens throughout this book. He feeds lots of people. He heals lots of people. He comes in and out of walls. But it's not just him. All the masters have these abilities. They have the ability to astral plane. Um, and so the common theme is Christ consciousness and God is love and God is working in us and through us, through the vibrations that we send out. God is the most powerful name or word that can be said because of the vibration. They teach the AUM principle in there, which is the, you know, you have OM in um, Hinduism and things like that. But he says the actual, it should be AUM is because that covers every syllable that you could possibly say with the human mouth and so you create the vibrations with the a u m and so but the common theme is christ consciousness um he and buddha hang out together in this book the the buddha you know gautama and um it reminded me of another wayne dyer thing that i was thinking about the we consciousness that was written by um what's her name something no i think it was um karen noe karen noe she wrote that and wayne said there is a um, a group of higher beings up here and we operate together to do all these things. And it reminded me of the masters of the far East, you know? Mm. So. Yeah. Esther Hicks who channels Abraham, you know, that, that group consciousness is something that comes through a lot with people who channel. Um, so it does make you wonder about how individual we really are. Um, I think there is maybe some part of us that is uniquely us, but at the same time inextricable from from the one, from the right. the sense of of everything. Now, you and I um, connected last time. I think half of our conversation was about Ramdas. Yes, um, <laughs> big fans of Ramdas, and he, of course, um, studied with his guru Maharaji. And now Maharaji spoke about. Christ consciousness as well. Do you remember what he said about that? Well, I remember when uh, Raghu Marcus, who wasn't Raghu Marcus, first went over, you know, and he Ramdas wasn't there, so he he just asked Maharaji because he wanted to sound spiritual. I need a mantra. What should be? What should I mantra? He said, "Meditate like Christ." Or he was asking for meditation. Meditate like Christ, and he's like, "I have no idea what this means." I just so Ramdas shows up the next day, and he's like, "Ramdas, ask him what it means." And Maharaji just welled up with tears. And he said, he just, he's loved. He never died. He just loved. He never died. He just loved. And he also said that Hanuman and Christ were the same. And that, you know, it was also believed that Maharaji himself was uh, Hanuman. And so, yeah, he spoke. I learned more. And this is insulting when I say this to people who are still Christian. I learned more. I've learned more about Jesus from 
um, the Eastern philosophies than I think I ever did as a Christian, just because they love him so deeply compared to the rule, the rules of Christianity. I hadn't really. Now I'm no expert on Eastern religion. I'm interested, but I'm not an expert. I don't remember hearing about Jesus from um, India, but yeah, here he's like, um, <laughs> I don't know, the cover boy, the poster boy. Right. That's what I'm thinking. He's like the poster boy for um, so many religions that seem to have missed the the heart of the message that Christ consciousness is. Um, not there, which is really about love and, and compassion for all and inclusivity. <laughs> and, you know, if, if, if you think about the stories that we know about Jesus, who was running with the vagrants, open arms, you know, like um, how many, how many Christian organizations um, really support that? Right. It's, they can only do that up to a certain point. And that's where I was talking to one of my coworkers last week. He's asking lots of questions knowing I came out of Christianity. But they can only, they can befriend what that's called the unbeliever up until the unbeliever says, I will not believe. And then they have to move on. They can't continue to so serve the it's unbeliever. Really just, it's really just for the purpose of conversion or proselytizing. It's not really about embracing those who are different from you or believe something other than you. It's it's really a <laughs> there's an agenda. Yes, there's an agenda, and, and they it believe feel very honest. They believe the agenda is to save you from a little literal burning hell. But how can and this is where I'm at, and this is what I say to anybody who wants to proselytize me back. Logically explain to me how burning someone in hell for eternity is love. That's all I have. In... Well, it's not. Right, but... I mean, I, I really believe that hell is of our own making. Yes. And I'm not even sure if it's something that we experience after death. Although, if you caused a lot of pain to a lot of people and you were willfully ignorant of that during your life, you might all of a sudden become aware of that and be in a lot of pain right. um, for what you've done. But I think that is a that is a self-created hell. I mean, I think heaven is I think heaven is self is self-created too, right. except except I okay, so <laughs> I dropped the idea of hell long ago, um, much like you were talking about. Um, but heaven, I was like, mm, heaven, I don't know. Like, we'll, we'll set this one aside. Like, like, cause I, I think that darkness is the absence of light. So there is light. So is that what heaven is? But then when I think of people dying, I don't think of them as just, I don't know, being idle and sitting on a cloud somewhere and being fed grapes or whatever silly notions we have. But then when I think about like Anita Morjani's story of her near-death experience and what she felt as this like sea of unconditional love, which I think is around us all the time. I think it's something that we experience here, but there's a filter. And I think that filter goes away when we die. Right. So now I use the term heaven again because I think it's the closest thing. It's the closest word that I can come up with to explain like 
when we return to the one, when we feel that divine love without any filters anymore, without any limitations, without the sort of uh, fears and smallness that we experience in in human form. Right. It's um, for me, it's it's being able to live in the present moment that every time you do that, you get a glimpse of what is heaven. You know, there are so many like Ram Dass, you know, obviously his, the Tibetan book of living and dying played a huge role in his life because they wrote uh he and timothy leary wrote a a book based off that on their psychedelic experiences to comparing it to that the tibetan book of the living and dying says that when you die you just your spirit in your soul or whichever it is whatever we call it doesn't know you're dead it's still trying to interact um, with everything around you but then you know you have all these theories of what's going to happen um do you return straight to the source and stay there? Uh, Ram Dass said that if you believed in a literal hell and a literal heaven, that when you died, you could experience both of those initially. So if you believed you were going to hell, you may experience that initially when you die because that's what happens. Uh, what uh, mm-hmm. uh, Vivekananda said that when you die, who you are is who you are going to be in the afterlife. So if you were was a per so I mean you have all these differing approaches and theories, and in the end, you know I love Anita Morjani. She had caused uh, Wayne to to change his views. He no longer believed in reincarnation. He believed in the parallel lives thing that she said that she was shown. Wow, I didn't realize that. Oh, so tell me about parallel lives because that sounds like what I believe. So Anita Morjani, when she came back, said that um, she was shown by that love that what we think is reincarnation is just the fact that so past lives what we think we've experienced past lives they're a lot from her understanding there are lives that are being lived in a parallel universe at this time and so that mm-hmm. um time is not linear we 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 live it in a linear way but the time is happening across multiple platforms and multiple lives and multiple um experiences so um, I don't know how, obviously none of us understand all of it, but that deja vu is something that you're, so if this is just a theory, if there are multiple parallel universes that you and I live in, which there is physics experiments that say that it's most likely possible, um, that we are all still connected to that one consciousness. So deja vu may be something that happened in the other universe that now you're experiencing Mm -hmm. as a result of that that where you can turn right in this universe you may turn left in that universe you know so where um and that's i forget the name of the test but like when they shoot rays of light or something like that through or photons here in physics experiments you can never predict which way it's going to turn when it gets into this, it's called a double, it's a double something experiment. And so it may turn right. And so you would think the next time you shoot that same ray through that same hole, it's going to turn right and it'll turn left and you can never predict it. And that that's happening in multiple universes at the same time. But then Ram Dass would say reincarnation isn't linear, that you could be re- mm-hmm. reincarnated today back in the 1500s. So, you know, if you somehow... You left this incarnation today, you could be dropped in the middle of the 1500s 
So. Well, if time is an illusion and we are all one, that puts a lot of questions in my mind. And we don't need to have these answers. Like, I think it's fun to explore this. I know Wayne Dyer thought it was fun to explore this. A lot of people I know don't think it's fun to explore this. But you and I, we're on the same page here. But so if time is an illusion and we are all one, like we could be living multiple lives at the same time. We could be in more than one place at one time. But then how do you define yourself? That's the part that really gets me is how do I define the me that's living this life? And a lot of people um, as of late have been talking about um, past lives and past life therapy and bringing up these memories for purposes of understanding the emotions and patterns and traits that we're exhibiting in this life. And it can help you to understand maybe this wound that you're carrying and, and then give you something useful for this life. But I think... That may be so. I'm not like a, I, like it could be like um what was it um Eleanor Roosevelt that said, I don't think it'd be any stranger to show up in another life than it was for me to show up in this one, right? right? It may absolutely be. I don't know, but I'm not. I'm not one of those people who is like yes, absolutely past lives because I feel like we're connected to the lives of those who have come before us. Like there's memory in the land and the energy of these people who live before us are still here. Maybe the energy of people who are coming in the future are here too. I don't know. There's a lot of unknowns about that. But for me, I could just as easily be connecting to the energy of an old medicine woman who lived before as opposed to have being been her, you know, like maybe I was her in another life. Maybe this is the energy of someone who really lived, who like I feel her presence. And I think that either way, either way, it's just as useful because it means you have a resonance with that person. Right. Um, I know Wayne Dyer talked about feeling connected to St. Francis of Assisi. Yeah. There were times that he said he thinks he was St. Francis of Assisi. I do think all of that is possible. Um, or maybe he just really resonated. Maybe there was something that vibrated on the same frequency in both of them. And he felt that and he resonated with that. You know, right. two men, different times in the world, but something similar in their heart, something similar in their in their, in their their mission. So I love the saying of have a mind that's open to everything and attached to nothing because I think once you attach yourself to an idea 100%, you close yourself off to all other possibilities. Right. Yep. Yep. I was listening to a YouTube that was sent to me by a friend of mine at Spiritual Center about um, spiritual ego. And that was one of the things that, you know, we just, we, we just attach to one thing and then we just go all in on that one thing. But it, you know, another, but another problem is that then we spread so thin that we never do just pick our own course so it's balancing it's everything duality balancing and so but what's interesting we talk about reincarnation these books actually do talk about that that reincarnation is a choice that you make with god before you die um the ultimate goal of the teachings of christ consciousness that the masters taught was that youth is the promise to everybody 
that we live to be old because we believe we're supposed to grow old. That Christianity, especially the uh, 70 years, it's said in, you know, you'll get three score in 10 years. But that the Eastern philosophies understand that that's when life actually begins. Whereas in Christianity and in the West, we believe that's when life actually ends. So like the, uh, we know the caste system has all of its issues, but one of the issues, I mean, one thing it does is that a householder at age 70 stops caring for everything else and goes, lives the life of the spiritual person. And because... Becomes the sage. Right. And so um, that's what these the teachings were that the goal was to become enlightened and you do that by becoming alive in your Christ consciousness. And when you do that, your body then becomes spiritual and that you can then hop back and forth between the different levels of consciousness and you can take your body with you. And that's what Jesus did at his resurrection, you know, um, and that there were several others that were, I mean, there were 30 to 40 of these masters who were doing that, taken in and out. And then one, one man actually died. He was an old, old man and he died while they were there. And then the next day they were introduced to him again and he was 30 or 40 years old. Yeah. Chandler Sen, I think was his name. (laughs) Yep. And so they asked what happened. He said, it's like Benjamin Button. Right. So (laughs) what had happened was he believed in dying in old age. And as soon as he got in the presence of God, in that presence of love, it clicked that he didn't have to. And he was sent back to his body, resurrected. And they see, so then they, they, he became one of their guides and they hung out with him a lot after that. But mm-hmm. so the goal is, according to this, reincarnation is something you agree to in those dying moments with God. Are you where you need to be to just to bring your body with you? And if not, because even Baird T. Spalding, he left this incarnation he left this body knowing all of these truths and even wayne i think Mm -hmm. of wayne dyer you know he left this body knowing these truths but that you know he may have said it i know there's still a little bit more or you can come back like a bodhisattva you love humanity so much you want to go again and continue to teach and show them so reincarnation um, is said to be a choice but never necessary never necessary mm-hmm. and that's you know again it's just a theory we can't know that to be true but you know i imagine wayne when he died um as being excited to expand like oh like i can reach so many more people at once right from here like i feel like if he was given a choice maybe he felt like that was the next rung on the ladder um he spoke about this many times. I'm sure you probably heard him say this about that. He felt like, and I can't remember who the quote originally comes from, but that a ladder is placed before you in your life. Okay. Anyway, he said he (laughs) felt like he'd been, he'd been um, climbing the rungs of those ladder to become more and more who he really is to be more his true self. And that he felt like he had gotten to the top of that ladder and that the next step was death. And so I don't think he was eager to die. I think he had a lot of ideas he was spinning at the time um, about things he still wanted to do. He was still enjoying talking. But I don't think he felt like 
I don't think there's anything that he felt like he needed to still do here, that he could have kept himself busy and entertained and feeling on purpose for a long time. And it just seemed to me, and this is a very human, wounded, grieving perspective, but it seemed to me that he got so good at being human. He got so good at understanding his thoughts about knowing that we're more than these bodies, about, you know, connecting with people in really deep and meaningful ways and living on purpose. And then it ended. You know, it's it's like what they say about parents. You get really good and then your job's over. Right. And I felt like he was so good at being human and it felt like such a loss, like such a tragedy. Like, what was it all for? Except when I have that idea of him sort of stepping into more fullness, stepping into the oneness, stepping back into divine love, stepping back into um, expanding. You know, I still think he's busy down here on earth. Like, I still think he's interacting with people. I hear people all the time who tell me that, you know, he visits them when they're meditating or they get signs from him and, you know... Like, I think he's still around and not just Wayne, like (laughs) Wayne was just a human, not just Wayne, you know, lots of people, but because he felt really driven to connect people and, and teach them, you know, I think he still wants to, to guide. Yes. Yes. And it's, you know, he, you know, it was a shock, but then you have Ramdas who got to prepare for his death. You know, they had it all set up. They had, um, they had the dry ice ready when he died December 22nd, 2019. They put his body on dry ice and they meditated in a, in his room for three days before they called the... So, I mean, it's just like you have these two that were really close, you know, lived on Maui together mm-hmm. because of Wayne, what Wayne did for him. It's like one mm-hmm. left, you know, just boom. It's just like he's there, he's not. And then you have Ramdas and just the, just the two ways that two spiritual giants that took... Started off on the same path, psychology, and then, you know, took two mm-hmm. totally different paths. But, you know, even Wayne had um, Hindu uh, teachers that he was close to. And yeah. even one sent him a meditation, a mantra, said you need to teach it. which was, was based on John chapter one. The word became flesh. And that became one of his mantras. And he would say it all the time. And then he wrote, wrote about that. So, I mean, it's just, you know, the paths... Mm-hmm that they took and neither one of them. I mean, I know Ram Dass would have said, I I'm not enlightened, but you know, it's just they're your followers. And I was just listening to that earlier. You, you don't declare yourself to be enlightened. If you do, then you're probably not. And neither one of them would have, but the rest of us look at him and say, like you said, they were, he was such a yeah. great human. There was, he just, he was just doing it so great. And so once you, once you get to that point, there's no, use in being human anymore. Ram Dass's humility was part of his path, was, you know, part of his practice. Right. And I think as soon as you think you're better than somebody else, you lose it, you lose it. And so, you know, one of his most famous quotes, we're all just walking each other home. Right. I think that's so important. Uh, one of my teachers, Kyle Gray, was very clear to point out that I'm not above you. I'm not more spiritual than you. Like think of us as spiritual running buddies. And I totally subscribe to that idea that, that we're equal and we're one. And as soon as, as soon as, okay, 
So let's say, <laughs> let's say you go to like an I can do it seminar, which I don't think they have those anymore. Maybe they call them something else. But let's say you go to like a seminar and there are these, these people on stage. And it's really easy to make the assumption that the person on stage has something that you don't or is somehow more advanced. But really, everybody has something to teach. They're just the ones on the stage at the moment. And if we don't know that, then we won't step forward and speak. We won't step forward and speak. If we think that, oh, this is just for a select few, but it's really for all of us. Right. Ram Dass would say, um, yes, it's my name and it means servant of God, but Ram is rent a mouth. And that's all I am. I'm the mouth, you're the ears, <laughs> but it's it's the one one thing working through all of us. And if you think I'm the teacher and you're the students, then We've, we've got a long way to go here tonight. So just see me as the mouth, you're the yeah. ears. But he said, I'm in mantra. I'm saying my mantras over and over and over, so I'm not even here. <laughs> so I wish they, I, you know, I wish they were still here with us, but they yeah. left so much. They left so much to show us the way all the breadcrumbs are there, you know, and right. I'm, I'm really thankful for that. So um, some people have said that, Wayne Dyer, were he not to have died in 2015, probably would have written about the life and teachings of the Masters of the Far East because it was the books that he was studying right up until the end in that last year of his life. Um, so let's get back to some of the stories in there. Like, yeah. I mean, Incredible this is stories. kind of a broad question, but I'm just sort of thinking like, like, what was it that he was so passionate about in these books? And I know you mentioned to me that you thought it validated a lot of his spiritual beliefs. Right. This is, I mean, they were written in, you know, the stories take place 1894 to 1897. And ev I'm telling you, every thought that you hear from spiritual teachers, everything. I mean, from, I've listened to a plethora of them over the last year and a half. And from Wayne Dyer to Ram Dass to um, Sadhguru, to, let's see, Muji, uh, Gangaji. I mean, just the teacher I sit under. I mean, everything, I mean, it's just all in here. Every single thing about who you are, how to accomplish, what to do, that you are already perfect, that you are already God. I mean, I have, I was going through and it's like, I have so many quotes that I could just share with you that just drive home each and every point that let's hear, let's some. hear some. It's like, okay, got <laughs> I'm getting older. So I have to, uh, we're getting ready now. Right. So let's, um, it starts out, it's Christmas time in the book and just, oh my goodness. You just can't believe how they describe Christmas here in this book. So let me see. Here's just one introduction. I'm not going to read about the, you know, the Christmas thing. It was just beautiful, though. I'm just telling you just the way that they viewed. Which book is that? This is just book one. And okay. so there's a striking resemblance between the life and teaching of Jesus of Nazareth and those of the masters as exemplified in their daily life. It has been thought impossible for man to derive his daily supply directly from the universal, to overcome death and to perform the various so-called miracles that Jesus performed while on earth. The masters prove that all these are their daily life. They supply everything needed for their daily wants directly from the universal, including food, clothing, and money. They have so far overcome death that many of them now 
living are 500 years of age, as was conclusively proved by their records. I mean, it's just, I could, I mean, quote after quote, and that's why I started reading this again, and I'm just like, there are, it's just... Miracles. Yeah, and but we call them miracles, and it's just daily life. It's just daily mm-hmm. life. Can you not see that by using the highest law, the absolute law of God, you may bring forth that which you need or conceive in mind as your highest idea and thus please God more fully by manifesting more fully, knowing as Jesus did that we are perfect sons of God. So manifesting, you know, I'm listening right now to The Power of Intention by Wayne Dyer as I do my walking. What was that based off of? manifesting you envision it you live it wayne said i never talk about what i don't want jesus said ask and it will be given seek and you shall find knock and the door will be open unto you And we turn it into this formula in christianity where i came from this this formula it's this formula and it's like no it's if you ask you believe you've already received it and then you let go of the expectation and that's mm-hmm. the law of attraction and that stuff is taught all throughout these books and met you know just so many different things i could i have lots of things that i start in the first book but let's go to the second book okay is that okay all right um number two book number two the speculative dogma of vicarious atonement which is the belief that jesus died for you because you were a sinner a wicked wicked sinner mm-hmm Um, which has biased Christian thought for centuries cannot be charged to the author of the Sermon on the Mount or the parable of the prodigal son. I said, look at his very teachings. How can you say that he thought you were a worm? It's called worm theology. It's one of the hymns, you know, he died for such a worm as I, or even amazing grace, you know, to save a wretch like me. Yeah. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. So this is basically saying, how could you take those beautiful teachings and believe that the man who taught those would condemn you to a life in hell? So I just shared that one just for, uh, you know. And Jesus talked about how pure the little children were. And I mean, you look at you look at babies and how could you say, oh, this this beautiful, perfect infant, this miracle comes into the world with sin like I don't but get see, it. that's where the um, there's theology involved in there, and that's where half of the Christian world now has what's called an age of accountability, and so you don't have to. They're still sinners, but they're not responsible for their sin until age twelve, or the Amish, it's age eighteen. So in the okay, all right, all right, we'll give you that the babies are really cute, yes. but by the time they're eight or twelve, they're rotten little scoundrels, right. and they need to be saved. So with the Presbyterians. The ones that are born into the church are saved, and the ones who are born outside the church, then they will die and go to hell. So there's your mm-hmm. there's your Christian understanding. Um, there's going to be a lot of amazing people in hell if that's true. Yes, and that's where one of the things my daughter says to me now. She said, um, based on your understanding of the Bible, I would I was ready to just go to hell if that's where I had to go. So will she be in good company? Yeah. I got to yeah, say. Yeah, there's, I mean, <laughs> that's where Wayne would be, right? According to the, the Christians. Oh, the heathen. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Okay, so here we go from page 13. It's hard for me to see the uh, highlighted yellow in this light. 
but it says about Jesus, he realized that that which for which he was seeking. So he realized that that for which he was seeking was right within himself. He knew that in order to be the Christ, he must declare that he was the Christ. So that's him telling the, you know, Berti, Spalding, and all the people. He's like, listen, we had, the reason I declared myself in that Bible to be Christ was because nobody was going to believe me. So I needed them to challenge me. And even uh, history shows that the Pharisees were always there because they needed, according to Jewish tradition, they needed to verify every miracle that happened to see if this was the Messiah, the coming chosen one. And so Jesus said, I declared myself to be that to prove that the Christ consciousness was at work in me. So um, again, this is just all. I have two more out of this that I starred that I really needed to read. So let me read those. And then I have a few in book three. Yeah. Okay. Despising everything else, a wise man should strive after a knowledge of self. For there is no knowledge that is higher or that brings more satisfaction of power than a knowledge of his own being. If a man knows his real self, which means his higher self, he cannot do otherwise than discover his latent possibilities, his concealed powers, his dormant faculties. Of what avail if a man should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? His soul is his spiritual self, and if he truly discovers his spiritual self, he can build a whole world if he is serving his fellow men by doing so. Again, these are just um, quotes. That's, that's basically... Life of service. These are conversations yeah. that are had with different <clears throat> masters. This That wasn't even Jesus speaking. These are just... That's basically all it is. It's conversational and their investigation into certain things and the way that mm -hmm. the masters could come and go. Um, that quote that you read from Wayne about the light being with all men, mm -hmm. the masters taught Baird T. Spaldings and his um, group how to literally light the darkness with their bodies, with the illuminescent light that comes out of it. Because they were traveling these dark caves and they were alone and the masters went with mm -hmm. them and all of a sudden their bodies lit up and they could see into the dark caves and the stuff places where they were. So just, and I mean, science now shows us that we do all have a light that shines. It's just, yeah, right. that the physics is showing that, that we do all emit some type of light. So I know there's been a lot of talk about like the magnetic field that comes out from your heart. Yep. But I hadn't heard about the light. Well, then you also have the aura. My youngest uh, child, Samantha, she can see auras. She can see the color around mm -hmm. you at certain times. It's not at all times. But uh, last time she she said, I see it right now. You have a blue aura shining all around you. So does she see when people are sick too? Um, she still teeters on the spiritual. She's coming into it because i was gonna say <laughs> not no pressure or anything but sometimes sometimes people who can visually see the energy of a person like that can also see when there's there's a blockage or there's right. a, a, a health issue so she needs to be trained um, and taught she, you know um only if she wants right to. what i'm Just saying because you have an ability doesn't mean you have to pursue right trust it. me i know because uh yeah. kendall who I work with, she's she's a medium, 
And, you know, we mm-hmm. were talking about past lives and whether or not it's true or not. When she falls asleep at night, almost every night she enters into either, you know, a parallel life or a past life. And she says, I said, that's cool. She goes, I don't really think it was cool. I don't get to sleep much at night. I said, I meant it's cool that you're reaching those levels of, of um, <laughs> that I'm not reaching right now. Right. I'm just saying, but I've come to the, I say this to my friend, Scott, who lives not far from you up on Whidbey Island. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe it's just not meant for me right now in this life lifetime. It's not. So I don't, yeah. I don't pursue getting into those higher levels right now. When I go into meditation, I'm just happy with that ever happens. I'm not trying to reach, you know, through transcendental meditation, go to this higher level. Well, I don't, I don't think one, I don't think one is better than another. Right. Like, um, so Kyle Gray, again, um, he's a Hay House author. He's known as the Angel Guy. Right. Uh, he taught me Oracle cards. Um, so he, he had some incredible things happen when he was younger and he actually has seen people's angels like with his eyes or see them in the room. And you'd think, oh, wow, like that's amazing. Like, uh, like he must be better. He must right. be really good it's at not. this. But then other people will feel the energy or they will... Or they will just have a thought pop into their head. Like there's a lot of different ways of receiving things and seeing it visually isn't necessarily better. In fact, I think, I think it breaks the seal a little bit. I think it breaks the illusion a little bit that is required for us to have this human life. We have to have that veil. And if the veil went away, uh, I think it would be really hard to function. And actually, I think sometimes, um, right psychosis is caused by by things like that like sometimes people who are hearing and seeing things are really hearing and seeing things right but you you lose that that groundedness but oh yeah there's a lot there's a lot that is happening in the world of the unseen i absolutely believe that you know um my great great uncle was a medium in belgium so that must have been 1800s and um they used to do seances and the message that got passed down through the family to me was it's real scary stuff happens (laughs) don't do it (laughs) so the message that i got was it's real yeah that's all i hear yeah But I do think that even from my own experience, if you're working with energy, if you're opening to spirit, you really have to be conscious that you are in charge of what comes into your space and that you are choosing to turn it on and turn it off. And anytime somebody comes to me with an interest in energy work, that is the first thing that I talk about. And it's the first thing I would say to your daughter, which she probably doesn't need to be told this, but were she to gain an interest in exploring what is this that's happening? My first teaching would be um, grounding and protection right? and knowing that you can say no to it. Like if you sense an energy coming towards you, you can say no or not now that we have that control. I even think Jesus talked about that. Um, I, can't, I don't know what it was. Right. I'm trying to think. I'm not as religious as you, Tim. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> right. Well, well, if Jesus said it, trust me. I mean, I read, I read the New Testament for nine straight years every day one passage from it so i knew i know it pretty well but yeah i mean it's just but even in the new testament paul talks about that all you got to do is resist what he called the devil resist the devil and he will flee from you but 
I see the devil as the ego is what he was always referring to the ego. But yeah, these energies listening to this this guy today that I was listening to, he's like, don't call the don't say it's the person attacking you. Say it's the energy. It's the energy because he's talking about negative reviews on his books on Amazon, and he's like, I don't. It's just energy. That's it. So it's the energy that's coming after me, not the person. So don't blame the person. It's the energy. So, and then all we got to do is resist the energy. We, um, empaths especially, you know, which I, I have. Or transmute it. Right. Right. Transform it. Right. Yeah. To bring it. So if we can be channels, which is what these books teach you, by the way, if you, if you are operating out of love, you should never be exhausted afterwards because think about that a lot of times we go out and we serve or we do things and we're exhausted and this book Mm -hmm. says that if you're exhausted afterwards you are using up your supply and not letting god's supply flow through you and so i know some people who are reiki healers and it's really important that when they're sending energy to another person that they're not sending it from their body but that they're, you know, they're, they're bouncing it up from, from the higher source. Um, yeah. Right. Because you don't want to just, just drain, drain yourself into somebody. And it's not just, I mean, everything's energy. So it's not right, just yeah. energy work. Right. Everything is energy in that this book teaches, it's, it is book two that tells, they ask about healing. And he said, it's really just all of us are healers. We all have the ability to heal it's just again like i'm studying metaphysical um it's basically metaphysical christianity but metaphysical science um when it comes to these things and it's all whatever you believe if you believe then it has the possibility of taking hold in you that doesn't mean if you have it that you're the cause of it but you can be healed that's just one of the belief systems of metaphysicals. That's one of the belief systems of this book. It's the belief system of most spiritual traditions. But in the end, mm-hmm. you have the the teaching in Eastern, especially Eastern traditions, that you and God agreed, you and Source agreed to your role when you came here. And that you also most likely, as Wayne Dyer said, as soon as the sperm hits the egg, your death has already been determined. Um, so... But most spiritual traditions teach that, 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 you know, you've already had made this agreement with source before you came here and that mm-hmm. even as scary as this is, that even somebody like Hitler made an agreement with source to come here and play the role, completely responsible for it. Just like the Ramayana, which I have sitting over there, Wayne, I mean, not Wayne, uh, Ramdas's scripture. That's the scripture for him. It's all about this evil demon God. But in the end, he was trying to get Rom to kill him because that was, you get to skip reincarnation if Rom kills you, if God kills you. Hmm. And so he was trying to get Rom to kill him so that he could be enlightened. So even that evil person kidnaps God's wife because Rom was God on earth, was basically, it was an avatar like Jesus was, an avatar. Um, But his motivation was spiritual enlightenment. He went about it the wrong way. But just like he was trying to get commit suicide by God, you know, instead of suicide by mm-hmm. by police shootout. So there's so much. Yeah, you got to go. Th- you got to go through the mountain, not around the mountain. Right. Right. That's life. I remember Wayne used to say that, 
life is a uh, sexually transmitted terminal condition, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> that's how we get here. We're, we, you know, we're definitely not here forever. We're here temporarily. I, I understand that better than ever since my dad right. left, yeah. like actually died. And I think for me, even though I had lost people, he was, I was so close to him that that really brought it home. Like, wow, okay, okay, this really is temporary. This really is temporary. And sometimes, sometimes that's a big heaviness and sometimes it's a motivation because I feel more fearless than I did before because what have we got to lose, you know? And can you imagine, you know, we come through this life and then we look back you know, we're going to be like, why didn't we take those chances? Right. Why didn't we speak up? Why didn't why didn't we follow our heart? Why didn't we quit that job that we hated? <laughs> right? Um, right. But I did. I always have. And that's what's yes. unique about. I'm finding out through this thing called human design, which is a whole huge another topic. Um, it's astrology mixed with uh, the I Ching, mixed with uh, Kabbalah and all these different mystical things but it was a download from god by this one man in the 1980s but my human design chart which is basically an astrological chart it just shows you about who you probably are that i'm a person that does go from thing to thing learning what i can in order to show other people what i've learned that really helped me because Mm -hmm. i thought i'd failed at so many things and I even asked that when I did my reading with Kendall, the medium. And she said, no, no, you didn't. It's not that you're failing at all this stuff. And then my human design chart mm-hmm. says, based on who you are, this is what you are. And I, uh, my chart says that I'm going to be a mirror. That if people want help, I can help them by reflecting back to them the things that they need to, to work on but never without being asked. That's the hardest part of being a healer, mm-hmm. you know, is you need to be asked to help. So, yeah, the key to being of service is you really you can't save anybody. Right. You know, you can you can offer them a light, but you can't save them and it's really up to all of us to find our own path. So, how about one more quote from the books today? One more quote. I started this one just from the end of this book. Um, So this isn't from book three. So this is the last one from book two. I am consumed with wonder as to why men look upon any of their brothers as enemies. It comes so clearly that we all must be of the same family, the same source, the same cause. Would that not determine that there was room for all? If one brother chooses to see differently than we do, why should we say that he must perish? I see we cannot interfere for, if we interfere, we but retard our own development and isolate others. If we do this, our house will fall and crumble about our own heads. Now I see, instead of a limited race, a universal, eternal, limitless all, all all coming from the one and returning to the one. So that's, that's pretty beautiful, especially, you know, the last year. It's not even been a year, you know, since the election and all the turmoil and all the disagreement over vaccines and non-vaccines and Biden and Trump. And just just in this little 
portion of the world, just all the division. And, you know, we're just all one. Just That's just it. We're all one. And so that was the last quote I'm going to share from the books. But you can see that that was a teaching from yeah. the masters of the Far East. I mean, it just all, it all relates to here and now. Because first of all, as we said, life, I mean, it's not linear. These truths, what that's what drew me to out of Christianity was that in Christianity, there's a mystical thread that in Islam, there's a mystical thread in Judaism. There's a mystical thread that in Buddhism and Hinduism and Baha'i and all this, there's a mystical thing. And they're all saying the exact same things because they've all been awakened in different places to the same truth. And that's what these books just drive home for me, that it's truth never dies. That doesn't mean my truth is the the truth. I have to live my truth. But my truth should be represented in the whole truth. And it will be that even just again, like that YouTube video I watched today, that everybody's path, everybody's path is important. Just because you think your spiritual path is leading you somewhere great, that that person who hates God and hates spirituality, that path is just as important as yours, which is hard to understand because there is there are a lot of evil actions in this world, a lot of evil actions but you have to get to what is the cause. Is it mental illness? Is it a true cry for love? And they just don't know how to get it. And so they try to take it in the way that they know how to take it. So, yeah. There's two forces in the universe, love and fear. Right. And when we see someone acting in atrocious ways, we know that doesn't come from love. And you can't give what you don't have. No. So what happened to that person? What experience are they going through? That doesn't mean we condone their actions. But I think there is space for compassion, even for the soul, the essence, the higher version of everyone who walks this earth at this time. There is a lot of conflict that's very visible. But it's so easy to be like, oh, these times we live in and we're in a pandemic and there's all this division in our country and all of that. But when you think back to our grandparents' time and the world wars that they were going through and the, the challenges that they faced, the Great Depression, um, the, the Spanish flu, <laughs> which didn't really come from Spain, um, like all of these things, like difficulties are not new. Like this is just our brand of challenges for, for this time. There's still so much love. There's still so much, um, there's enough for everyone. I really think there's enough for everyone. Right. But when we're hoarding because we're afraid or because we see someone else as other, that divides us. If you see someone as your brother or your sister or a piece of you, which we all are, how can you deny them the, the basic necessities of life? And it has to start from love. It has to start from love. Um, but, you know, maybe this is one way that we do that. We come together and we share our thoughts and 
Something that's interesting to me is the history of spirituality, because the more I talk about these topics, the more we have these conversations, it always goes back to so many things that have been talked about for thousands and thousands of years. And then I hear about like the spiritualism movement in the 1800s and the early 1900s that spawned um, the Rider Waite tarot deck. Um, I'm a tarot nerd, so I love the history of tarot. <laughs> and that's something to me that like there there have not only been these ideas that are passed down, there have been organizations that have been sort of connecting to one another. And that so many of the words that we use today and the concepts that we talk about, they're not new. Right. So so one of these days I want to dive deeper into the history of spirituality and also how it connects to to religion which I think is something that's been a big part of your personal path. And I want to thank yes. you again for how much you've shared with me and with everyone who listens to this podcast. Um, you are certainly not alone in your experiences. And um, it touches a lot of people that, for one, there is life outside of religion. Yes. <laughs> there is God outside of religion. Um you know, you and I have talked about Christian mysticism, um, which is very much bared to yes. Spalding. Yes, yes? They, were, I mean, they were accused of being Christians, even though they were Indian and had a, a Hindu background, but they were called Christians. And even a Buddhist had tried to have them arrested, but Buddha stepped in and stopped it from happening. So that was good, a Buddha to step yep. in. So. <laughs> Yes. Thank you, Buddha. Um, and when you and I first met, I think you said, I have um, a picture of Wayne Dyer, Ram Dass, and Jesus in my sacred space. And I was like, yep. that's exactly, yep. <laughs> my dad's in here too, but that's exactly <laughs> in They're my sacred right here space. To... So just, I want to thank yep. you so much for- And Maharaji's <laughs> right there. there with him too, Maharaji. I think Ramdas and Maharaji just have to go together from my perspective. So he's here. They do, but you know what? I realize that what I see when I look in Ramdas's eyes is right. Maharaji. So even though I didn't know Maharaji in the beginning, I knew Ramdas and therefore right. I knew yep. Maharaji because he's Which means in there. you know Hanuman. Yeah, it's beautiful. Too. So much to learn, so much to talk about. Thank yes. you for coming on. What is the best way for people to reach you? Um, I have my Facebook page, um, which Tim Nixon, but I also have a coaching page now that um, I post on almost every day, not always my own thoughts, but I do some videos. And that is Fully Awake. Um, fully Awake. What do I call it? Just Fully Awake Coaching. Coaching. Yes. Well, it used yeah. to be FC because of <laughs> fitness and coaching. But I dropped the fitness. Yeah, Tim does some videos on there that are really inspirational. I think you do your little morning meditation. You're out there and you share some thoughts with us. Right. So, yeah. and then I forgot to mention this, but Sunday when I taught, I had Wayne's books there with me. You know, his translation, you know, his thought, his Tao, De Ching, and then mm -hmm. his book. And I shared with him, you know, his thoughts on that and... Oh, I and love so that. Wayne was there with me my very first, he's the one that introduced me to the Tao Te Ching and he was there with me on uh, Sunday when I taught. So, but I have one last interesting fact I wanted to share with you about Bear T. Spalding before we go. Yes. This morning in my studies um, came across the fact that um, 
It was controversial that he may not have actually physically gone to India in 1894, that he um, planed to there and experienced all of those experiences through planing. And, and so I came across that this morning. I thought everybody should know that the, uh, the books are, so there's suspicion about whether or not he actually went, but to me it doesn't matter because it's the truths or the truths, um, whether he wrote them through spiritually going or through physically going, but mm-hmm. they're pretty yeah, incredible. Whether he physically traveled to the Far East or whether he astral plane there, you know, the heart of the message is in there and um, it spoke to Wayne, it spoke to you, it spoke to us today. If you had one message you could leave with everyone, what would you say? You do not have to search outside of yourself to find the truth. That the wisdom, this is how I say it, the wisdom of all the sages of all the ages is available to you now through the Christ consciousness and through the collective cloud. And that the reason I study so much is um, basically... We don't learn new things. We remember things that we've forgotten. So I study a lot so that what other people are remembering, I want to remember too. So, but it's all available to you within yourself. I love that. Go within. Yes. Thank you, Tim. Thank you for having me. For all our listeners, thank you for following Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life, and telling your friends about it. The full video for this episode will be available to my subscribers on Patreon. You can get the link for that and more details about this podcast at NadiaDelacruz.com. Until next time, take care of yourself and take care of each other. Namaste. Namaste. Okay, so here's the part where I get to thank everyone who has joined me on Patreon, my newest members of my near and dear inner circle family at patreon.com slash Nadia Dela Cruz. I want to give the biggest thank you to all of you. You don't know what this means to me to have your support. I really couldn't do it without you. I'm looking forward to all the ways that we're going to connect when you sign up for the whole enchilada. We're going to be doing Zoom calls. I'm so excited. So thank you to Linda, Tim, Millie, Patrick, and Tracy. I love you guys so much, and I'm looking forward to seeing you more on Patreon. Love to you all. I'm Victoria Moran. Since we launched the Main Street Vegan podcast back in 2012, lots more people have discovered the way that moving in a vegan direction can infuse our lives with vitality, spirituality, and compassion. My guests are experts on every aspect of making this work in your real life and our real world. Join us for Main Street Vegan here on mindbodyspirit.fm.